Hi, my name is Chris Candy, and this is the Never Not Run podcast. Or no. <laughs> or do the NNR for... This is the Never Not Run podcast. I'm your host, Chris Candy. And I'm Mark Nieto. Okay, we're back. We are back. What is this now? Episode... Are we on 15? This is 15. Yeah. Wow. How's your recovery from the Ultra? It's been okay. I didn't take as much time off initially as I think I should have. I was watching a video just yesterday and in the video, the runner mentioned that you should take off a full day for every 10 miles of a race. So I was thinking that, okay, I guess I should have taken three days off of no training, no movement, which I didn't do because I was, like I said, I was up in the mountains and I just, I wanted to take advantage of being up there. So I think that just took a lot out of me, but slowly getting back into it, I've been doing some shorter runs, just slow runs too, also just to get back into it and no races yet, but I'm eyeing a few for the end of the year. Yeah, I'm definitely doing on my end, I'm going to be doing the Death Valley half again. So if anyone is interested in taking that, uh, you know, we've got a couple people coming out for that run. And uh, yeah, I'm really wrestling if I'm going to do LA or Speed Project this year. I'm not quite sure yet. One of them I'm going to do. Well, if you're in, if you're thinking of doing Speed Project, keep me in mind. <laughs> if Nathan's listening, his ears are, are, are perking up. Um, but I, uh, I'm stoked to be back. I love this pod. And um, today's guest is a dear friend of mine. He's someone that I've known since I was a young kid. I, I was, you know, in, in the eighth grade when I met this person. His name is Mike Park. He is the owner of the very popular DIY punk rock label, Asian Man Records out of San Jose, California. He was the lead singer of many bands, notably the ska punk band from the 90s, Skank and Pickle. He was in a band called the Chinkies, which was a politically minded, all Asian member punk rock ska band, and currently is in the band, the Bruce Lee band that he heads up with other runner, Jeff Rosenstock. And he's not a runner, you know, he's not someone who's ever done a marathon or a 10K. But when we were thinking of people to have on the show, I was talking to Mike the other night and I was like, he's a perfect candidate for our podcast because he loves challenges and his endurance to do these psychotic challenges is unbelievable. And in this episode, we're going to highlight some of these things because he's just, he's a beast. It's exactly like we talked about at the end of the last episode, which is trying to seek out challenges in your life for multiple beneficial reasons, right? For your own mental health and your physical health. So yeah, I was really interested. I didn't know, I had, I've known of Mike through you, obviously, but did not know this side of him was totally unfamiliar with his background as a basketball player, as a cyclist. Uh, he would probably even laugh at calling him a cyclist, but yeah, just the fact that he's out there challenging himself in these ways and that he's a dude who seems to really value getting outside daily movement. And even when he gets into talking about the saunas and stuff, I mean, it's, it seems like a guy who really values taking care of his body, but the way he talks about it is, is so different than what is the current style of, of health fitness influencer online. <laughs> yeah. I think about Mike and his place in punk rock, right. And ska, and he definitely has a 
very notable place in that community. And I think of a guy like Counter, who's as you know historically important, a guy like John Joseph from the Cro-Mags, who is very active online. He's done ultras. Um, you know, he's Iron Man. Iron Man's. He's yeah. he's a very dedicated person. And they both were born out of this same DIY kind of punk rock community. But if you were to listen to John Joseph talk to you about, or watch one of his videos on on Vice or or his his YouTube channel, you would get this very kind of athletic approach to attacking this thing. I think Mike could do a lot of the same things, and he has. I mean, the guy rode a bike from Seattle, Washington to San Diego, California. Like he's done epic challenges, but he talks about it in in the complete, like you said, Mark, the complete opposite way. And that's what I love about the guy because it makes it, in my opinion, I think a person like Mike makes these things more doable and more digestible for people. Right. Yeah. He does them in a very unpretentious way. He approaches them almost out of curiosity and with a really good mindset and a free spirit about it. And it seems like it does encompass a lot of the punk rock attitude of, I'm just going to figure this out. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to challenge myself. And it's, it's accessible. Like you said, he makes it accessible for a lot of people. And the fact that he brings along his friends, I think is also really inspiring that he brought people along on his bike ride, that stuff that he does with you that he mentions, he brings you along. I just think it's a really, a really cool way to approach all this stuff. Well, I, I really am excited for you to listen. I've spent years listening to Mike put me through different challenges and and uh, listen to him tell fun stories. So I'm really excited to get to share some of these uh, with you today on episode 15 of the Never Not Run Pod. Welcome back to the uh, Never Not Run pod. And, you know, it's been a minute since we've been back, but we're happy to be here. And we wanted to get a good guest. And, and you know, I, I, today's guest really does remind me of, um, I think, the essence of this podcast. And he's definitely not a runner, but he is easily one of the most extreme people I know. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce to the Never Not Run pod, Mike Park. I wish I could run. That's the problem. The reason I can't run is because my knees are shot. How did that had basketball? So you got it from a basketball accident? Just years, years of basketball, just the grinding pain. What was your position? Were you were you down in the post or were you in high playing? in high school I was. But mm-hmm. just like in my adult years playing pickup and adult leagues. And also it was a catcher in baseball. So I that screwed oh, yeah. up my knees also. Yeah, and a dancer, a break dancer. <laughs> so, for everyone who doesn't know, ska dancer. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> for everyone who doesn't know, Mike is an old friend of mine, but he's also in the music community, very well respected in regards to his uh, contributions to the ska punk world and the punk rock world. We kind of gave him all of his uh, intros in our intro, but um, Mike, I've known you for so long, and you've been on all the podcasts. But the reason I wanted to have you on here is because you always 
are, even though you're not a runner, you're up for like just crazy challenges. And I feel like within that challenge mindset, it's that of like an ultra marathoner. So I really wanted to use today as like story time. And maybe you can sew in some of your history through the stories. I'm, I'm really interested in the um, Santa Barbara to San Jose at the end of Skanga Pickle story. <laughs> I was just so, so what Chris was talking about is my first real band I was in is a band called Skank and Pickle. Um, it was in lieu of college. I did this band uh, up till the age of 26. And so it was really like a relationship. And when that relationship was over, the day it broke up, well, I was, I played a show at UC Santa Barbara and it was a, it was a weird feeling because you've loved this person for so long. Right for seven years and it was over and as i drove home from santa barbara to back to san jose california i just kind of reflected here i am at 26 and what i've been doing for so long was over what was next so it was a lot of contemplation of what was next and i knew the answer which was i knew that i was good at the business side uh, in particular the record company and so we had a record company that we ran as a collective and so i decided i would leave that and start my own company and uh, that's how asian man record was born on that drive home so did you not or was i mistaken was there some kind of like hitchhiking element or bike ride that you did from santa barbara back up to san jose or was it a, a car ride home are you, you talking about skank and pickle? What are we talking about? Yeah, you, you always told me that you you wrote you like hitchhiked back home. You just left Santa Barbara and you rode like a bike back to San Jose. No, I did ride. I did ride my bike from Santa Barbara to Santa Cruz once. Okay, and that was just a completely different trip. Oh, okay. Well, never mind then. You did some good research on this, didn't you? <laughs> this is how Chris pitched the whole episode to me. He's like, he's going to have this crazy story about riding his bike at the, well, after the demise of his band. Alas, I guess I was wrong. Jeez, Mike. Wait, uh, you could have just like leaned into the story with me here. Were you biking or doing any kind of exercise back then? Or were you just totally focused on the band? I was, I was definitely was focused on the band, but I was playing basketball all the freaking time. Yeah. Every day I'd go to the gym because my job was strictly the band. Mm -hmm. And so I would wake up late, probably like 11 and I would go to the gym and play basketball until like three in the afternoon. Wow. Yes. That's, that was my life. What kind of player were you? Were you kind of more of a like a perimeter guy or were you were you fast? Were you a defensive guy? Like what what how would you describe your style back yeah, then? Not not a consistent outside shooter, but yeah, good defender, slasher, like really smart. Mm -hmm. Uh high IQ for the game. Uh and I God, I wish I could still play because I, I really missed it. Well, I definitely know there are some stories that lead into wild endurance with Mike. And, and there's two I definitely do want to cover that I know for sure happened. Well, I, I guess we'll start with the more legitimate one. And that there was definitely that of endurance. And, you know, if you want to, Mike, kind of cover, what was it like doing the bike ride from 
Seattle, Washington, all the way down to San Diego. And if you can kind of give us the background on what was that story. So I was trying to fundraise for this youth center I was trying to open in San Jose. And I thought, you know, why don't I do this bike ride? Like instead of like a walkathon, I do a bikeathon and get funding from people in the punk community or some some of the more wealthy ones I was hoping. And it did well. I think I raised like $60,000, which in the Silicon Valley is nothing. But at the time, it was something that was exciting. And I thought it would be a story that would maybe pick up nationally. And then people, maybe some donors with some deep pockets would throw money. But obviously, that didn't happen. So at that point, I was so deep in it. I was like, well, I got to do this ride. And so we started in Seattle. And we, we rode to San Diego. This is a bunch of punk rockers that had no training. I mean, we looked like a motley crew of freaks because you have these high-end riders with all their gear passing us. And we were just like, I think I was just wearing like Dickies. And like my socks rolled up over the Dickies so it wouldn't get caught in the spokes. And like just a hoodie and a, and a helmet. And so, and we had a guy who bought his bike for $15 and we had another guy who found his bike in a garbage can. And by the end of the ride, I had three gears that were working. (laughs) What was the day to day like on that, that ride? Like break down a normal day for us. You get up, make breakfast. So we would uh, always do oatmeal. So we'd be at campsite. So I would get, um, you know, plug into the, like the bathroom campsite, boil water, and then just dump it into a <laughs> like a giant crock pot. Even though it wasn't, uh, we didn't have electricity for it, but I would just stir it up so it was very lukewarm, and <laughs> that was it. Like we throw raisins and nuts in, and then all of us. I think there was like eleven of us on this ride, but we would just fuel up with that. There was no coffee. There was nothing special like that and then we would just start riding and we we did have a support vehicle and would meet us like every i don't know 15 miles and so we could refuel with uh well i think we're drinking a lot of soda someone told us that soda was good for like the you needed to (laughs) drink soda just to like help sure your, your energy so we were drinking soda Um, like chips, nuts, stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) God, maybe we have to tell that story. So Mike and I did the living room tour where he did a, um, basically played people's living rooms and he routed a whole two and a half month tour around playing people's living rooms and barbecues. And, and I, along with his now wife and our good friend hero Tanaka, uh, went on this and I was just out of college. And so, you know, it was just this like traveling circus of ongoing jokes. And we were crossing the border from Canada into Buffalo. And for whatever reason, like Hero is like super nervous about going across the border because he was visiting from Japan. I thought he was going to get in a lot of trouble. So there was this, all this pressure around us crossing the border smoothly. And Mike was kind of egging everyone on, you know, I was like, oh, you're going to go to, you're going to get sent back home hero, <laughs> you know? So I was super nervous. And prior to us crossing, we went to a, like a bulk barn where you could buy 
bulk items of like cashews and almonds and chips. And so we get across the, the border <laughs> and the secure the, the, the border patrol guard getting into America goes, do you have anything to declare? And I looked at him. I said, oh, you know, just some chips, nuts, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, all right, you can come in. So then I drive the car across the border. And it's quiet in the car. And then Hero just goes, chips, nuts, stuff like that. <laughs> And it's something that Hero will still say to this day, you know, 20 years later, and myself. That's a little inside joke. No, Mark knows it. Oh, oh yeah. you know, because yeah. you know Hero. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's <laughs> it made an appearance on last episode, too, because I was talking about the 50K I did and how I would stop at each of the aid stations and have some chips, nuts, stuff like that. <laughs> Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> it's got a life of its own now. So you, you, you're doing this every day, I, you know, and tell me about like some of the cast of characters. Like you had one of your old band members on that tour. Well, the band member that I did have on the tour was the driver. Yeah. It's um, a gentleman named Jerry Lundquist. Great guy. Full blown alcoholic though. So <laughs> he'd hide it, but we knew he, I found the bottle of Jack Daniels under the driver's seat. So he was, a, he just, God, it's so terrible to say. My God, they just drink, you know, wait for us, just drinking whiskey. And there's so many, because it was all people in rock and roll. So a lot of the bikers, too. We had a couple members from this band called RX Bandits, and the singer, he just had a flask of whiskey, like, on the back of his bike. And so he would he would climb a hill, you know, like, celebrate, take a couple shots of whiskey, and then just, you know, bomb the hill. Wow. Or just, you know, like, climb a hill, smoke some weed, and then to celebrate and then bomb the hill. Wow. What was the age range of everybody? I think we're probably around like 23 to 33. I think I was like 32 or 33 at the time. Wow. It's Did anybody get injured on the trip? Were you guys dealing with, with any kind of cramps or? Oh, or hell what? yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. The first, the first day, the ride was just too long. It was about 107 miles. Jesus. People who are not ready to ride, which was all of us. <laughs> it, it, so that first day, we had three people who couldn't ride the next day because their knee, you know, their body wasn't working. That happened a lot. We had a lot of people have to would have to get into the van because they just couldn't ride. One person broke their foot Jeez. or ankle and went to the, we took him to the hospital and then they just put like a soft cast and he, he finished the ride. He did like, there's still two weeks to go. He's, he still finished it. I think everyone finished. Damn. But I thought for sure someone was going to die on that trip because there are these logging trucks, these semis. Mm -hmm. And sometimes especially once we got in, like Oregon, the bike lanes were great. Once we got into California, like there was no bike lane. It was just a little white stripe on the side of the road. And I thought for sure someone's going to die. Yeah. I remember like even some like road races, um, that, that speed project thing I did, I, I was like, just so sh like shocked at how dangerous it was. So what did it feel like to finish that? Like what, what did it feel like for you to get to the end of that? Like personally, anticlimactic because 
once you hit like Southern California, it was so flat. Okay. And we were in such good shape at that time. It was like, I didn't even feel like we're riding the last couple of days when we got into San Diego. We're just like, oh, we're here. We camped in San Diego. It was a shitty camping spot, like right next to the freeway. It was like, ah, oh, we had like camped in these like beautiful settings and then ended in San Diego right by the freeway. It was like, oh, this kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it was fine. I mean, God, it was just, again, like a motley crew of people just partying. They were so many people were partying so hard during this bike ride. It was it was pretty crazy in retrospect. And how long did it take you to do the whole coast? <sighs> Longer than it should. Have. <laughs> it took us like a good two and a half weeks because we after that first day we were cutting some of the rides were like, oh, let's just do like 45 miles today. <laughs> it's a lot easier. Uh so yeah, I felt like it took over two weeks, which is way too long. And had you, were you the one that mapped the route out or were you following another, like had somebody done this before that you knew where to go? No, my wife mapped it out. She mapped out the the, the camping sites and and everything with in terms of the travel route. So we had no experience. We we're just like reading, getting maps, like bike maps and kind of, reading up on the best way to do this like total diy you know for sure and it was it was fun we met some crazy characters on the ride and we wouldn't ride as a pack because it was impossible because everyone's riding um style or uh ability was different right i would i would leave a lot earlier that, that i usually would leave by 6 a.m and um i would go with uh chris knows this person jenny Choi. right one of two women on this ride and like again the, the setting was so beautiful but we were just like it, when you're climbing these mountains it's hard it's hard to appreciate the beauty and i remember her like climbing this mountain she's like oh nature nature <laughs> <laughs> i actually remember going down and meeting you guys in long beach and Speaking of Matt Embry from RX Bandits, that was kind of when I learned about marathon running because his mom is a really uh, accomplished marathoner. So I remember she actually sent me my first ever marathon training. Uh, she gave me- That's awesome. Yeah. So again, like I think to preface this episode even more so, I keep saying it, Mike is just as epic in many ways because I've definitely done endurance feats with him that did call upon my marathon training, my pain cave <laughs> mindset. And I did want to go into some other ones that, that you've kind of embarked upon. All buffet, all buffet marathon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So set up the scene, like basically in, in every year prior to COVID and the pandemic, there's the punk rock bowling event that takes place out in Las Vegas. And Mike and I historically would go every year. We did it maybe three times. And um, there's a bunch of ways to do Las Vegas. And when you think of Las Vegas, you think of drinking and going to casinos and, and, and gambling. And buffets are definitely a part of it. But Mike introduced me to a way of doing Las Vegas that is so specific. And I just would love for you to explain to the listeners on the pod what we did. So... I don't think you can do it anymore, but there used to be a 24 hour all you can eat buffet pass that was good at 
I think five casinos. Uh, it was Harrah's, the Flamingo, Paris, New York, uh, New York, the Rio, and Caesars. You could pay a little bit extra to go to their fancy buffet, which we we didn't do. And you could just go as many times as you want in the 24-hour period. And it is, I know Chris, this isn't, uh, Chris is such, he's such a valiant friend. Like, he'll just go along with it. This isn't something up his wheelhouse where he just wants to eat nonstop, but it's something I enjoy quite a bit. And Chris is vegetarian too, so he he doesn't get all the uh, benefits of just these giant meat carving stations. So we would just try to walk, ideally walk a marathon in one day. So we started, we'd start, we always stay at the old school strip and then all the primary buffets are in the main strip. So it's easy, a good two to three mile walk just to get to the entry point to this. But we would start going to a Korean spa. So we actually go before the festival starts. We get there like the day before and we leave the day it starts. But we we try to experience a little bit of the flavor of people watching. And the goal is to walk a lot. We try to walk a marathon each day. In one day, yeah. yeah. And actually, I think Chris did over 30 miles both days because he was running also. We'd walk all the way to the Strip. So that was also the goal is never to use Uber, never use Lyft, never use the bus. You could only walk to where you wanted to go. Yeah, just walk. Walk to the Strip, start eating. Uh, and then we would just drink. I don't, I'm not a drinker either. So, but the only time I would drink is in Las Vegas. And so we were just walking the Strip drinking malt liquor like going into there's these convenience stores everywhere you could just get like a 40 ounce of malt malt yeah yield english which is the worst tasting and worst for you it's 110 degrees um is this endurance like would this be considered endurance well i just i remember the days would be you know they were very um yes because no one walks in Vegas the way that we walked Vegas. You know, I've seen that city in ways that a lot of people haven't. Like we would leave the downtown strip area and we would be walking like behind the strip and be walking past like taquerias and, and um, you know, supermarkets and mini malls that no one would ever really see. And, and like Mike would be there with his big sun hat on. And then I would be kind of just like trailing behind him <laughs> I remember, you know, we found like a Korean spa and uh, on some of the days we'd go to the Korean spa before and, and use all the rooms and, and all that stuff and then and then just go do this food buffet tour. And I just, you know, I have these memories of just like being, my legs being as tired as they had been running a marathon, but we were just going from casino to casino to get meals. That And that's why I justified it. I was like, well, I'm burning all these calories. I can just eat as much as I fucking want. I think we were even doing, I think we we're doing edibles too. I think you were there with Chris Shalakis and Chris Shalakis was definitely on to edibles and yeah, but you, you 20 milligrams of edibles and he was yeah. walking down the strip. Chris Shalakis is in, uh, my old band Choto Ghetto and he's just another, um, just massively, uh, extreme person in other regards. Yeah, he likes his favorite band is Limp Biscuit, and so like, I think that's my least favorite band. So the fact that we can coexist in that environment was, I thought, it was pretty trophy worthy. Yeah, absolutely. 
Did anybody have an Apple Watch or something? Were you guys ever able to track how many calories you were burning or how much calories you consumed? Sure. I don't think calories week. I definitely had the step counter because I remembered looking at it at the end of the day and it said I had walked 30 miles in one day. And, it was, you know, it was so hot, too. But, it, you know, I'll never just forget those memories of like, you know, the three of us walking to the Sahara Casino and it's like the sun is setting over the... <laughs> you know the strip and it's you know it was just a very like it it, again Mike like you just love challenges you know I think that that's like it it, and it does call upon like this like specific set of endurance to kind of keep going through it which is also very anti-Vegas like my goal is to spend as little money as humanly possible do none of the Vegas things where you know people are like stereotypically what is vegas it's a lot of uh uh nightclubs uh scantily clad women my my whole take on vegas is what can i get for as cheap as humanly possible where can i find the deals oh yeah and yeah so it's it's a very different uh vegas experience that i don't think anyone does but me and chris so then you also like have been someone like you know I've noticed within like the world of like currently like there's these trends within like, you know, cold baths and saunas and breath work and all of this stuff. But you've been someone I've known. Um, you live around the corner from a community center. Explain your experience with that and how you use the community center. So pre-pandemic, I had lived in my home. I purchased my home in 1997. From 1997 to 2019, it's a long time, over 20 years. I took a shower at my house maybe four times. (laughs) Every shower I took was at the Jewish Community Center. For A, don't get my bathroom dirty. Right. B, save water. C, save towels, less laundry. I'm paying for it. It's right down the street. I just viewed it as an extension of my own home. I would just walk there. I'd walk there, take a shower, and come home. You'd also use the sauna, though. I've, I've been there. Of course. Sauna, steam room. Love it. So what's your routine, then? What's What do you get out of the, the, the use of the sauna and all that? How do you think it helps benefit your life? I don't know. <laughs> but... <laughs> But it does. I like, the, yeah, I love the sauna. Uh, Chris, I remember Chris going in it. He can't last very long in the sauna. I can do 30 minutes. And I think he was like at five minutes, he was tapping out. And I was like, man, you got to build up your endurance, man. And then he's Canadian. Like, he's got that Canadian cold gene. <laughs> he can outlast us in the, in the cold, I bet. If they had a cold plunge pool, that would be amazing. That's the only thing is I tried... I try to take a cold shower. Also, I've never, I haven't taken a hot shower in probably 20 years. I only take cold showers. And right. it's fun. Why take a hot shower? It's lame. It's too hot. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mike would also always try, Mike would always also try and get me to sneak into the community center. Yeah, well, so you had a 20 bucks. But I would always feel awkward. You gotta just, you gotta command the room, man. I kept telling him, wait, I'm gonna go in first. And when I'm at the desk distracting the lady, just walk by. And then he would just freeze. 
I'm like, dude, come on, man. Just keep going. Just say you're a father and your son's playing soccer. You get in free. Save 20 bucks. He likes to waste money, Mark. Just waste, waste, waste. He's got that Catholic schoolboy heart like like me. It's a, it's too pure. The 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 shame the shame of Catholicism but you runs guys, deep in our blood. But you guys also both have something in common. Like Mark also knew of a way in college to sneak into movie theaters. And I would feel uncomfortable <laughs> doing that. And he was, it was, it was really impressed. How would you do that? Well, I equate it to the plan that the rebels had to destroy the Death Star, where there was this giant outdoor shopping complex and they had this one emergency exit that you could open from the outside. Most of the time, you know, there's no door handle or anything, but for whatever reason, this one, I think they just assumed that it was so the, this labyrinth, you had to really go through a whole network of back doors and, and through the parking garage. And, and then eventually you'd get to this door and, and the emergency door would open from the outside and no alarms would go off. And you were just inside the lobby of this movie theater and you'd have to, we'd have to do some reconnaissance to scout out the what time the movie was playing we wanted to see what theater it was in and then we would just walk in and go see these movies the the weirdest one of the weird parts about it was that if we wanted to see a 3d movie though you would have to use one of the old like get a used pair of 3d glasses because normally they would hand out the sterilized ones to you when you walked into the theater so if we wanted to see Avatar or something like that, we'd have to dig into the the barrel, the barrel. Yeah, yeah pre, pre, <laughs> take our pre chances. COVID, no problem. Movie exactly. Movie marathon. You want to hear endurance? We used to do movie marathons where we would go from opening till closing. The last one I did, it's been a while. So 11 a.m. to 3 a.m. I went to the movies. Paid one time. <laughs> I saw Murder at 1600 Volcano, Selena. Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. Uh, what was it? <laughs> uh, Anaconda. I know I'm missing a couple. And we went with the goal of not spending one dollar. We were just digging out old large popcorn buckets that got free refills. So we would eat that, and then we got the large soda. Went to the bathroom, rinsed it out. Free refills on the large soda. So we no, an entire 15 hours at a movie theater. And we were delirious. I remember when we got out of the theater, we we're just like, woo, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Try that. You think running a marathon is hard? Try staying at the movie theater for 15 hours eating large popcorn and soda. <laughs> That's a marathon. You know, also, we had no, there was no, uh, internet at the time so we didn't know when the movies were starting we were just looking that this was like a 20 plex so you'd look at the little uh marquee of when the movie is showing and so there's a lot of luck it's like okay this is starting now let's let's go or we would miss the tail tail end or uh right getting so mm -hmm. pretty awesome but I'll, I'll never do it again you um i remember too like this is kind of a theme I've noticed with you. Um, you lost like an incredible amount of weight while you were on this uh, tour playing with Yo Gabba Gabba. 
And again, you had instituted like a really strict diet that you stuck to every day. And I was just wondering if you can explain those stories too, because those are, those are memorable for me. So yeah, I, I do these weird things on tour just to like, see if I can handle it. So that tour, so Yo Gabba Gabba is a Nickelodeon children's show. It's a high production uh, tour and there's catering. So again, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not going to spend $1 on this tour. So in three months on the road, I think I spent less than a hundred dollars. Wow. Which, which Chris spends every day just on coffee. <laughs> is that true? Mark, would you say he gets like chips, nuts and stuff like that? <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. He's got some expensive tastes, but he likes to spend money. He's a, he's a, he loves to live life. And I love that about him. Thank you. Can you look at the positive on that? Yeah, no, I think it's positive. I mean, I love you. I think you're freaking amazing. Anyway, with Yo Gabba Gabba, I also thought, okay, I'm gonna go vegan. I'm going, I'm going gluten free, vegan, no sugar, for these three months because it's catering. And so this is like a, it's a big production, and everyone's working hard. But all I did, I performed one song a day. So five minutes, that's it. That's all I did. I worked five minutes a day. And so the rest of the time, I'm just like roaming around these beautiful theaters and also just keep peeking in the catering. So as soon as catering was ready for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, I was always the first one in line. And so I would just, I would get like the cream of the crop, of whatever was there of what I needed. It was a lot of salads. Again, no sugar, no meat, no wheat. Um, it's a lot of vegetables. So I lost a ton of weight. Uh, I know my, my, as the tour was progressing, my, I kept having to buy new pants. Um, I think I got down to like a 32 by the end. Wow. Now I'm probably at a 46. <laughs> You're not that bad. Not that bad, but, but yeah. So just like weird stuff like that. I don't know why it gets me off, but um, just to see if I can do it, I guess. Keep my mind yeah. sharp. So I don't know. But to, now, now today you kind of were, you were leading into that and, and then that's like what I wanted to get into because like I'll talk to you on the phone and you'll be on a walk. But what are you doing right now? Right now? I'm talking to you. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're not going to the gym. You know, I, I but am. You're... I, I'm back at the gym now. Okay, good. I'm back at the gym. So, uh, but I still, I try to walk 10 miles a day, which is difficult. It takes a lot of time. You need a lot of free time to to yeah. walk 10 miles a day. So anytime I have a chance, I'm walking. If I'm on a phone call at work, it's, I have to be walking. Any meeting, walking. Uh, if this was, like if this wasn't, need, if this didn't need it to be recorded with a high quality audio, I would be walking. Uh, and then I just listen to podcasts or music. Just walk, walk, walk. A lot of night walking too, because it's been so hot in California. So 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. I've been doing a lot of walking and it's awesome. Night walking is great because you see other night walkers. Yeah. And you kind of nod. You kind of nod at each other in the dark. <laughs> People of the night. Yeah, it's cool. Are you just walking in, in vans or Converse or do you have like running shoes, exercise shoes you use? Uh, I think I'm wearing basketball shoes that my son got for free because the company, the company, it was a, I wear a pair of Curry's. And the only reason, Chris knows how frugal I am. Chris has bought me shoes because he knows 
all I do is buy like Costco shoes for $9.99. <laughs> so I have a pair of Curry's right now. And I, the only reason I'm wearing is because we thought they were lost in the mail and we told the company and they said, we'll ship another pair. And then both pairs showed up. And so then I had one. Nice. My son wears the same <laughs> size shoe as me. So I felt like a winner. So, yeah, I sent Mike a pair of Hoka's once because he was walking so much. I got him a pair of Clifton sixes or sevens. They were then... really nice. I still have them. They're really worn down. I just can't justify it because those shoes are so, are so expensive. And then I walk so much. They only last like a couple months at the most. And then I'm like, man, that's a lot of money. What do you think has been the best? What's the most? Yeah, all the shoes. If you had to recommend somebody to get shoes that are going to last them the longest, what would you say? Gosh, I don't know. Be the best pair of shoes I had was a generic white Costco shirt, shoe. It was the ugliest shoe. It looked like a nurse shoe. Uh, Kirkland brand. It was $9.99. And I'm, it's discontinued, but I'm kicking myself because I did find them once at a Costco that was on clearance for $6.99. I should have bought them all. Should have bought them all and I would have shoes for the rest of my life. And they were so ugly that I found, found joy in them. Like I just wear them, these <laughs> white, bright Costco shoes. And uh, yeah, those are the best shoes I have. The Hoka's were really good, but they, they wore down so fast. That might be part of their, uh, their design technique. <laughs> so you could keep buying more. Obviously, obviously. The Fila's, uh, I, the Costco shoes usually have this brand called Fila. It's terrible. It's cheap, but they they break down so fast and they hurt your feet. Right. So that's what I love about you, Mike. I, <laughs> I, 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 of all the years I've known you, you have a very specific look and, um, and I, you know, and and in essence, uh, and and um, those Costco shoes are definitely like part of your uniform. The curry, the curry shoes are comfortable. The one I'm wearing right now, but they're breaking down fast. Also, who makes those? Under Armour. Under Armour. Yeah. Shout out, sponsor me. I want free stuff. Also, I like free stuff. Mark, got it. Anything free. Chris, have you hooked him up with some of the gear? No, I'll send you up some shirts. Mike has so much of my gear, you know, for the listeners, I, I've worked in clothing for so long that, and I still do that just clothing finds its way to me and I like clothing. Um, but Mike will come down and just go shopping in my, my closet. He'll just take some shorts and a t-shirt and, and then, you know, he'll be outfitted. And so Mike's outfit is normally like a pair of my Stussy board shorts, yeah, the cheapest shoes he can find. And then like a punk rock shirt from like 18 years ago, like it be it a, a Dillinger four shirt or, or a Chodo ghetto shirt that I gave him or, or a, a Jeff Rosenstock shirt. I even have a pair of your underwear. I have a pair of your underwear. Cause the last time I stayed there, I forgot to pack underwear. So I had no underwear and you gave me a pair as a Lululemon underwear. So that's probably the most oh, yeah. expensive underwear I've ever worn in my life. And every time I wear it, I think of you, I'm like, Oh yes, I get to wear the, Expensive underwear today. Lululemon underwear? <laughs> what the heck? Why are you wearing Lululemon hey, underwear? I'm I'm fortunate, man. I I I I'm fortunate to love what I love. It, it there's no there's no difference though. The Lululemon underwear is no, it's not more comfortable than the Kirkland brand underwear. No, that is such bullshit. Because like 
the Kirkland one, like the, you know, the, the cotton underwear versus like a nice, like, uh, like a nice neoprene underwear. I feel like I'm Batman when I wear my, my Lululemons. Well, we're going to have Mark test that. Mark, I want you to try a pair of Kirkland underwear versus the Lululemon underwear and see what's better. I'm a target guy. So where is that? Is that middle ground between Lululemon and I think it, Kirkland? I think it's less. I think Kirkland brand is really quality mm-hmm. stuff. So well, I'm guessing you're just getting like Fruit of the Loom or Champion underwear. I think it's the target brand. I, I don't know. Do they have a brand? Do they have a generic brand? Well, they always switch it out. So I my favorite athletic gear is target stuff. It always seems to last and it's cheap. It's like 20, 30 bucks for a pair of shorts or a shirt. That's, that's um, too much. <laughs> yeah. That's why I think it's in the middle ground, but it's, it, they always, I've noticed they switched out the name. I can't remember what the new name is called of, I don't think they're actually um, different companies. I think they just rebrand every season their athletic wear. So it's got this three leaf design. Ah, oh, that's what that is. I need to look. That's what I'm rocking. I, I need to look into this. <laughs> yes, you you've, do. You've, you've piqued my interest, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like a rip. They tried to rip off uh, Adidas. It's like a old Adidas. It's like two Adidas leaves twisted on the side. Smart. I love it. Smart. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Well, you know, we could talk for hours, but I, I do want to get into the the uh, the end of this ep. I had a quick question. I was wondering, since you're one of Chris's oldest friends, I was wondering what you thought of when you first heard about Chris doing a marathon. Like, what's what did you what went through your mind when when this guy that you knew from the punk rock scene and and the the background that 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 he had, like, what what were you thinking when this dude decided, like, hey, I'm gonna run all these miles i felt really confident that he he was gonna do it and he was gonna do it well because he loves running um he's addicted to running anytime we go on a trip he has to run like if we're going camping you know i'll just i'll be chilling by this beautiful beachside campsite i'll just look up in the mountains i could just see chris running laps i'm like yes (laughs) oh he's he he it's when you know someone is passionate about something, in this case, running, it's just like, man, that's that's his natural high is running. So it's like, yeah, that's awesome. He's going to do it, and he's going to do great, and he's going to keep doing more marathons. I feel like as the years go by, Chris will start doing marathons all over the world, and um, that'll be his uh, kind of his natural high and fun, a fun thing to do too. Well, it all comes back, I think, to that living room tour that I was talking about, because I remember that was like the first time I like lost a considerable amount of weight and we were on that tour together. And, um, you know, an- another friend of ours, this guy, uh, uh, Rob, what's Rob's last name? Rob Bell from Rob Bell. He's a trombone player in this band, MU330. They're from St. Louis. So Rob turned me and Mike and our friend Dan onto this a jump rope enthusiast named Buddy Lee. And so they were, Rob was really into jump roping and cycling, but he would just have these really interesting, intricate jump ropes. And so on the living room tour, I was taking after Rob because I, I wasn't running as much at the time, but I still wanted to move. 
So I would just jump rope every day. And that was just a thing we did as a crew. And, and I'll never forget those, those jump rope sessions. Cause those were just like, it, you know, we'd be in like Wisconsin in some random neighborhood and we'd have an hour to kill and you just grab the jump rope and start going. Yeah. Especially with that humidity, you'd just be pouring, pouring sweat. It felt great. Oh yeah. I <laughs> oh, mean, they're, they're, they're like really, really, really amazing memories I have. Mike, what are you, what, what are your plans moving forward? I mean, um, we normally ask like the person keep walking. Yeah. And, but what here, we always ask the question for runners, like what's your runner's high, but for you, like, what do you get out of all of this? Like in an honest way, keep moving. I feel like as long as I keep moving every single day, that's the most important thing. I have to keep moving. I feel like if I stop moving, that's when my body will fall apart. Uh, again, 10 miles a day, that's the goal every day moving forward. If I could do more, I'll do more, but I think it's important that you got to keep the body moving. If, if you just become that couch potato, it ain't going to be a good, the results aren't going to be good, especially as you get older, especially if you eat the crap food I do. <laughs> you do have a balance. Um, but I'm, I'm always like super impressed. Well, Mike, thank you for, for being on the Never Not Run pod. Yeah, thank you very much, Mike. Yeah, thanks for having me again. I wish I I wish I could run. If my knees worked, I would run. Um, but never not walk. <laughs> All right, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, we'll catch you on the next episode of the Never Not Run pod.